So Dave, I uh, took some time off uh, last night and I watched uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, the new one. So good. It's so, yeah. so good. Uh, hmm. Horrifying, sobering. Uh, it was uh, almost a perfect marriage of a Mad Max movie with uh, like a Cormac McCarthy novel. Mm, okay. Um, oh. And it, all the reviews are true. Everything about it is true. The, uh, the, the, the special effects were incredible, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of nonstop action, all the rest of it, and also a very human story. Um, mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I always wonder if it, it seems like a lot of times anymore they just keep remaking, Hollywood keeps remaking these ideas over and over that seem to play well in the past, and but they're like running out of ideas now. But it sounds like this is a new um it's actually worthwhile instead of just uh, trying to dust off something that's old and try to get some money out of it. Yeah, that's right. This this makes this makes like Thunderdome makes Thunderdome look like satire. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, very very dark. Um, it's mm. it was great. It was great. Mm. So anyway, strongly recommended. Two thumbs up. Nice. Yeah. Uh, how about you? What's going on? Oh, I'm just. Uh, enjoying the the sunshine here in ohio it's just just beautiful out and uh lauren is finishing up her finals this week so she can't wait to like actually go outside and enjoy the sunshine too so uh just uh, can't wait for this week to to be done and then we get to go on vacation very nice very mm-hmm. nice um now lauren has been using slack with the with the robot team right mm-hmm. yep yep yeah yeah she's been doing that um and uh, she's actually been in touch with the Slack people, and uh, uh, and and they are uh, they're going to do a blog post about how the team uses Slack, and and they actually sent them a a, a care package of uh, uh, Slack stickers and uh, like like knee high socks with, and they're like. <laughs> all the girls are like socks. Wait, wait a minute, why, why do I want socks? And. Uh, so, but it's like that, you know, the, the hash mark, uh, logo that they have, it's like that, but it's on the socks. Um, and, and it's like kind of cute and everything. Yep. And then it says, uh, it says Slack, we hope your feet are warm forever or something like that. So it's just uh, really nice. Oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, I need to get Lauren's press agent. She's just, she's killing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so we started using Slack uh, ourselves, Dave. Right? Uh, we're just kind of tinkering around with it a little bit. I uh, I enjoyed um, building a building a, a robot, a Slack mm-hmm. bot, or a, well, mm-hmm. or a show bot um, for our uh, for our Slack that we're playing around with. Um, that's been fun playing around with CoffeeScript and kind of automating tasks, and um, I'm really enjoying it. So now when I'm on my phone and I find a link that I want to talk about in the show, instead of like fumbling around and opening up a Google Doc and pasting it in or whatever, opening up Etherpad, I can uh, just share the link with uh, <clears throat> with the Showbot inside the Slack. Mm-hmm. And Showbot takes the little link and puts it around in its little robot brain and uh, sends it up into a uh, sends it up into Trello, uh, where we can where I can kind of manage the queue of uh, of links. It's super fun. I got the code for that on GitHub. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Mm. Uh, but yeah. uh, man, I'm having a blast. I don't even I don't know about this conversation with humans thing, but uh, building robots <laughs> inside of Slack is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, well, speaking of robots, what's what's on tap for this week? Oh, well, we got robots. We got we got robots. Robots coming out of robots uh, mm-hmm. here on the show, and also literally. Gonna, yeah, that's right. And we're going to be talking about uh, security mm-hmm. and uh, hating on Uber. So basically, just like a regular episode this week. Mm-hmm. Classic. What what's on the cutting room floor this week? Oh, uh, we got a big cutting room floor this week uh, due to our uh, improved link collection facilities. Uh, so we've got, uh, in particular, uh, we got somebody wrote a decentralized version of GitHub uh, that they're mm-hmm. calling GitTorrent, mm-hmm. which looks kind of interesting. Um, this is special for a friend of the show, Uzoma, um, mm-hmm. who is a uh, an accomplished DJ and promoter. Uh, we found a video of a uh, Soviet-era DJ, so like in the early 80s, um, mm-hmm. with... Uh, with a real, like basically doing his DJ, uh, scratchy, scratchy thing with, uh, eight, uh, with a reel to reel tape. It's mm. unbelievable. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else have we got. Oh, and, uh, thanks to a friend of the show, Eric Morsey. We've got, uh, uh, lose yourself by Eminem, uh, rendered in American sign language. And it is awesome, man. It will get you pumped up. It is excellent. I can't wait to see uh, more from that uh, ASL interpreter. That was great. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So where, where should people go to find out uh, and look at reels of steel and uh, get some sign language going? Yeah. So they can go to uh, dgshow.org. Uh, D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. Nice. Yeah. So uh, what about you? Got any, got any follow-up? Yeah. Yeah. So you remember when we were talking about the robotic cockroaches? So they, they had these big old, was it Madagascar cockroaches where they... Uh, uh, used like a little robot backpack on the on the back of a cockroach to take over the cockroach's nervous system to have it like run around and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was disgusting. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for like safety situations, for where you know it's like oh you know a building fell on somebody and you could just uh, pour a dump truck of cockroaches <laughs> over the building and then have it find you know detect so where gross. the screaming is coming from. So gross. Yeah. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was what the NC State people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so UC Berkeley, they're you know they're they're getting into this too, um, where uh, they they're actually doing one more. Where um, so now they've built these cockroach aircraft carriers. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. So imagine one of those robotic uh, uh, cockroaches that's like running around. And then they uh, they have a uh, like a robot bird that like flaps its wings to to fly away, and um, so what they did uh, so it's a uh, was it uh, ornithopter mm-hmm. is is the term for it mm-hmm. and so um, so instead of having the bird which it's hard for it to like take off from a standing position well hey let's put it on the back of a of a robot cockroach get the robot cockroach to get running really fast. And, and to build up speed. So think of it like a catapult on an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. um, to get up to speed. And then that allows the um, ornithopter uh, to, to take off uh, from, uh, from the back of the cockroach. It's Berkeley, right? Berkeley, UC Berkeley? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Berkeley, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they're you, smoking over there, but that's... Well, yeah, you think that, but you would think the whole animal thing would be... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, It'd yeah, be yeah. like vegan, Yeah. you know? That's right. Oh, no, yeah. it, well, insects don't count because they're, uh, you know, because they're not cute, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I guess. But I wonder, too, it's like, you know, back in my day, you know, you would have the ant farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And where, where now I wonder if the, the cool thing is that you get one of these uh, Madagascar hissing cockroaches and an Arduino and, and like in a kit and like mail order. 
Yeah, yeah. See, the, yeah. I mean, before you think about when we were growing up, we had to uh, buy uh, buy toy aircraft carriers, uh, buy toy airplanes, and then also buy ant farms. Uh, but now, you know, these kids today they got synergies and uh, and integration opportunities and cross selling opportunities. So now we can get all 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 three of those things at once. Yep. So that's nice. nice. Good for them. Good for Good. them. Yep. Yeah. Got more uh, robot news. All right. Let me have it. Yeah. So there's a, a, a origami robot that's out there. Uh, like performs origami? No, it is origami. Oh, so oh, I, it folds itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you if you saw the video for it. No, no, I haven't seen this. Yeah, so you have to check it out. Um, so there's this. Uh, it it looks like a piece of aluminum foil, and and then uh, it will once it gets stimulated. And so it's a piece of aluminum foil with a magnet on it, and once it gets uh, stimulated by a magnetic field. Uh, or some sort of electrical field, uh, it will unfold itself into this, and I wouldn't say like a spidery sort of thing, but like a, but not necessarily like a unstructured rolled up piece of aluminum foil sort of thing, but it's somewhere in between. And, and so it unfolds into this shape and it has folds in it and like hard creases and stuff. Um, and then it, uh, the field will guide it as to what it's supposed to do. So it can like move objects around, it can climb up uh, ramps, it can move things around and stuff. Um, and then whenever you're all done with it, uh, you could drop it into, I think, acetone and it'll just dissolve. Huh. Okay. So I can imagine this being a huge hit at like a kid's science museum. Um, but are yeah, there, are there like, like sea monkeys? Yeah. 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 Are there other practical applications for something like this? Yes. Um, so one of them, uh, looks like to be medical. So, um, you can imagine getting some, device into your body to go around and kill cancer cells or something like that. Um, but instead of having the motor and the battery pack and, and everything inside of the, the robot pill that you swallow, um, this is a way for you to get, uh, uh, the, uh, technology, you know, into your body sooner than waiting for things to be miniaturized and have the battery technology there and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe have more of them in your body that can, go in and then you lay up against some magnetic field and then the the magnetic field will tell the the little robots to to go around and and zap whatever cancer cells you have right right well i can also imagine uh kind of unfolding sheets of metal inside somebody's body seems like uh like tool number one for an assassin right Mm -hmm. yep yep it's a movie plot yep Mm -hmm. all right you you got to swallow the the good robots i guess (laughs) that's right the acetone robots yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Eat a lot of hot sauce. <laughs> uh, okay, Dave, Docker. Yes. We're talking yes. about Docker on the weekly now. So we're, everyone's excited about Docker. Docker, new standard for packaging uh, Linux containers. Um, super useful, tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous valuation um, mm-hmm. based on their last round of funding. And uh, kind of the the crown jewel for Docker seems to be their Docker Hub. Is that right? Yep. Um, yeah. 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 So so what what is Docker Hub? So so Docker Hub is uh, is a place where you can go to get Docker containers that you can quickly spin up on your machine, right? So if I'm uh, if I'm Joe Blow and I want to start myself a Ruby on Rails project, I can go to Docker Hub and uh, grab a uh, Ruby on Rails Docker container and spin it up on my machine uh, super quick, download it right there off the internet, and uh, and then I'm good to go. It's, it's yeah. just, it just put it into production. Put it into production right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Done. Yep. Nice. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, it turns out that uh, 
30% of the official images on the Docker Hub actually contain security vulnerabilities. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's a problem. That seems like a problem. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and so this like hit the news as like bad on Docker for hosting all these vulnerable images, uh, which is like, yeah, okay, like probably bad on Docker. But this seems to me like an opportunity for Docker, right? So this is a way of them like, well, you can get all of these you know, 25,000 unwashed, filthy containers, or you can pay us for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, and maybe that's part of their business model. Um, mm-hmm. who knows, but, yeah. um, yeah. And that, that's part of it. And, uh, I, I would say too, it's like with the stuff that's inside Docker and you pull stuff out, you know, even if it is an, an, a, a quote unquote official image, um, there's no like how what are the checks and balances to make sure that it is up to date how do you know if even though it's an official image is that official image from whatever company um is that meant for demo purposes like like uh, trialware or is it meant to be like used in production mm-hmm. um you know things like that I, I think need to be figured out yeah, um, yeah. and I, I know another thing too is it uh like with say like you pull down like the CentOS image and um, when you pull down the latest CentOS image, it will have the latest updates in it, or or at least that's the goal is to have the latest uh, updates baked into it or as many as possible. Um, so whenever you do a yum update, the number of updates are small. Um, but they've intentionally gone to make sure that oh well, there's a uh, a rel you know six four image a rel six or I mean a CentOS 6.4 image, a CentOS 6.5 image and all that. And those don't have those updates applied to them uh, ever since, you know, once, uh, uh, you know, 6.5 is done, um, there aren't any uh, patches that are made to that. And that's sort of the the design that the community uh, wanted to advocate there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a matter of like, even if it's as updated as much as they want it to be, um, you need to have a clear understanding of, of what you're taking on whenever you pull something uh, out of Docker Hub, or you know, it's, it, and it goes back to it's not magical. It's you know, you need to have the software supported, and you need to know where it came from. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's and, and oh, I got a couple a couple thoughts on this. So first is like, so thirty percent of the images had critical security vulnerabilities. That doesn't even address the number of bugs that have mm-hmm. not been patched, right? So that's yep. that's that's a concern. Um, it also, uh, as you say, like downloading a Docker image for such and such a version of whatever piece of software you wanted, you are not getting any visibility into all the dependencies that you're also dragging in with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if I, even if I'm just doing something simple like Nginx, um, you still have to think about, okay, what version of Libo, uh, LibSSL or what version of OpenSSL have I, has been linked in with that, right? And is that version vulnerable? You know what I mean? Like, so it's just worrying about kind of the top level version number of whatever the primary application is inside that container doesn't tell you really anything about what's vulnerable or, or, or what needs to get patched. Um, it's, you know, not bad for tinkering around on a laptop or whatever, but like, you know, you, you do think about stuff like not just mistakes, but also, uh, you know, recently what uh, SourceForge got in trouble for putting in, uh, what was it, adware um, into uh, old versions of uh, software downloads. Um, so, like, they would wrap them up and wrap up software into oh, an installer. Is that like download, download.com or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, same thing, SourceForge just uh, was outed and then and then apologized and disabled the, the program. But, um you know, like how many Docker images out there have like whatever, you know, 
a Tor exit node running in them or have a, you know, some kind of a uh, security enhanced right. version from, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, or malware or, or whatever it is. Um, it just, you know, anyway, moral of the story is uh, Docker images are great for convenience, um, but they don't eliminate the need for you to actually worry about, you know, hygiene. Um, mm-hmm. You still got to wash your hands uh, before you eat. And, yep. uh, and uh, this is, I think, an acute problem with Docker because Docker is so focused on the developer um, who... There are many great developers out there, but developers do not, as a rule, have the kind of, they are not as attentive to these kind of operational concerns as like regular operations guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Here comes the hate mail from all the developers. But no, but I think the characterization is fair, right? Um, It's historical. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Yeah, and as as people move uh, into more of the DevOps, you know, they'll, whether they want to or not, they're going to be assuming more of the operations role, which includes security. Yeah, that's right. And so, and so it's interesting to see tools like Docker kind of force this cross-pollination of disciplines where like now developers have to think more like operations just as operations is now thinking like developers. It's not like a one-way street. It's interesting. Yeah. So what do we got? So, but, you know, we're talking enough about this and authoritatively enough about this. We must have some kind of a solution for this already, right, Dave? Yeah. Like you're probably wondering is what is Simon Lukasik done to address this? Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we got uh, Docker OS cap is, is one thing he's working on. So that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so that's, I'm just taking a wild guess. This is uh, a way of running S cap against a Docker container. Mm hmm. Yep. Nice. Yep. So it's it's some stuff he has. He has a code out on GitHub, and I have a uh, uh, link in the show notes to it. And you know, patches welcome, I'm sure. Um, where it could do a couple things. One is it. Uh, one of the example uh, examples that I saw that was pretty cool is it. Uh, you know, he'll do uh, the Docker OS cap on. Um, hey, scan all the systems uh, or scan all the containers on my system um, for. Uh, 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 against uh, whatever OVO content is available, and it would and it would be like, oh, hey, I found a RHEL seven one, and it scans it. It pull, you know, it pulls down the OVO content for uh, RHEL seven, and it says, hey, it's good. And then it does it for another RHEL seven one. It says, hey, you got two vulnerabilities, you failed. And then it says, hey, we tried to do it with uh, an Ubuntu one, and um, and it wasn't pass or fail. It was like an unknown state because uh, we couldn't find OVO data for it. So. That was pretty cool from a security patch standpoint. Um, and then you could also run uh, SCAP content uh, using the same tool too. So you could also measure the security posture of a container as well to see if it's configured properly. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, that is great. That is great. Excellent. Nice work, Simon. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so what do we got in the, so Google I.O. was this week. Um, and, yeah. and they didn't announce, uh, as far as I know, they didn't announce a new phone or watch. And yeah. so I was tablet really, or a tablet. So I wasn't really paying attention, but, um, mm-hmm. what did, uh, was there anything in the security realm that we might be interested in? Yeah. One of the things I picked up was, uh, Google's new, uh, saved password site. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is and this that, like a, re- this is like a replacement for LastPass or, or one password or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's more convenient. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's so for one, you just go to passwords.google.com, and so uh, if you save passwords in Chrome, right? So you use the password management inside of Chrome. Um, it will it can synchronize your passwords up to um, 
uh, passwords.google.com. So that, that's pretty cool, right? So yeah. Chrome is it's synced. You know, so you're running Chrome on all your different devices, and all your passwords are synced. So that's that's pretty cool. It's kind of yeah. like LastPass or One Password. Sure. Uh, yeah, and then um, and also it helps with uh, app authentication too. So if you have apps that take advantage of the uh, saved passwords feature, um, it could uh, pull. Uh, so you know, you like the Netflix app, I believe, is one of the ones where um, it can automatically pull the saved passwords out of your password vault uh, to be able to log into the Netflix app. Okay. Yeah. So um, so if you go to passwords.google.com to take a look at your passwords, the, the really cool thing about it is it um, you could just simply click a button and you could view the actual passwords for each of the accounts you have. Oh, that's handy. Hey, wait a minute. How does that work? Um, it stores it and, you know, it, I guess they don't encrypt it. I mean, how do they... <laughs> So yeah. I know. So I know. In, in so I use one password, and one of the reasons why I use one password is because um, I have to deliberately decrypt the kind of like encrypted blob that holds all of my passwords, right? So I've got like one master password, um, and once it's decrypted, then I can like pull all pull all the plain text passwords out. But like I'm controlling the decryption process, right? Right, and it's the same with LastPass too. Where mm -hmm. um, I guess with one password, you keep the blob yep. that you want to use yep. um, for your passwords. Whereas with one password, they will keep the the encrypted blob. But even if they have the blob, it's an encrypted blob that they can't do anything with because you're the only one with a master password. So right. in, in both of those cases, if you lose your password, you're hosed. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Um, but with Google, it's much more convenient because <laughs> they know your passwords and they can help you out. Yeah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. I guess. So it's all tied to your Google login? Yep. Okay. I'm yeah. surprised. They must have done some kind of cut because Google's generally not, as a rule, Google is not stupid about this stuff. So like maybe they know something about this that we don't or or maybe they're just not trying to make as strong a claim to password protection as like 1Pass or, or LastPass, yeah. which does this for, for money, right? Well, um, I, from what I understand, the even with Chrome in the past, the passwords were stored in your home directory or whatever, mm. unencrypted. That's crazy. Like there, yeah, That's like crazy. there was no way for you to, like there, like in Firefox, you could store your passwords and sync them and everything. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you had to um, have a, you, or you don't have to have a master password, but it would still be stored encrypted. Um, but um, you could uh, have a, a master password that would unlock your password vault. Mm -hmm. um, and whereas with Google, they never had that capability. So it's like people could just get in and, you know, look at your passwords. But but this way, instead of it being stored on your local system, Google can keep a copy of all your passwords uh, for you and, and let you know what they are if you forget them. Right. And also make opens them up to uh, subpoenas and mm -hmm. national security letters, right? Yep. 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 Which is I don't know why you you think about all the work that uh, you know it, like you, the Facebook and Google and all that are doing with encryption and turning TLS on everywhere in as a response to you know uh, revelations for, uh, you know about government surveillance. Um, to me, this seems like they're opening themselves up to getting you know subpoenas. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that, you know, there must be some kind of like safe harbor provision or some kind of, li I'm just imagining like the liability of this seems big, mm -hmm. like somebody is going to sue them for surrendering the passwords, I would think, or maybe they, maybe, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. 
don't know. Oh, there's probably say. something in the EULA that says, hey, we've, we've uh, um, enhanced our uh, privacy options and go ahead and click to continue. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're optimized uh, for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So this, so this is related to, uh, 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 so, so the great nation of Canada, mm-hmm. yep. um, had, ran into this with, uh, with the Uber folks, right? Yeah. They're, uh, Uber's using encryption. Oh, good. Uh, on, uh, on their, on their data or their user's data? <laughs> on their own data. Uh-huh. On, yeah. Well, that's right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, well, it probably user data too. Um, so in uh so there was a i guess there was a raid on uh one of the uh in quebec uh mm-hmm. one of the uh you know their their uh, their version of the irs um their raid to make sure that uber is is doing the right things with taxes and not evading taxes and all that stuff right. um and so, uber uber dutifully complied right no um all of a sudden uh engineers in san francisco uh just uh remotely logged into the systems in Quebec and turned on some uh, uh systems there just uh um just happened to reboot and started to encrypt themselves <laughs> this This is how criminals act that's how criminals yeah. behave right yeah oh, man so were there any consequences or like what came out of that uh I don't know I don't know um but it yeah mm. I don't know. Hopefully there are some consequences that come out of it. You know, part of it, you know, it's like this is the exact opposite of the Microsoft case, right? Where where you had, you know, U.S. Department of Justice trying to uh, get data that's stored in Ireland mm-hmm. um, on Microsoft servers, where here you have Canadian law enforcement trying to get evidence on Canadian soil and you have people remotely in the United States basically shredding evidence. Um, right. I was going to say, this is like, that is an obstruction of justice charge, right? Like that yeah. will, that will literally put you in jail if you were to do this. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Nice bunch of folks over there. That's yep. great. That's great. Uh, let's see. Okay. No, but we got some encryption good news, right? Maybe. 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 Yeah. Uh, so the good people at uh, Facebook uh, mm-hmm. have added the ability. So you can now take your, if, if you are a nerd, and you have the patience for managing your PGP key. And if you're using Facebook. And if you're using Facebook. <laughs> in the, so, the, so for all 12 of you, for whom this is true, <laughs> you, can, you can take your PGP key, upload it to Facebook, and f- your messages and your notifications will then be PGP encrypted. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I, you know, I feel bad making fun of this, or I feel bad kind of diminishing it, because that's like, that is a big deal, right? Like if Google turned on PGP in Gmail, that would be a big deal. Um, <laughs> But is is that encryption for and maybe I didn't read the whole article, but is that encryption for just like password resets and messages from Facebook to end users? Like the so they could cryptographically sign messages. So like, oh hey, I just got a password reset. Should I press this link? Um, uh, right. So is, is it for the is it for you to authenticate Facebook messages or is it for you to pass messages around between your friends? Or or get receive communications from Facebook in terms of uh, like suspicious activity or uh, password resets and stuff like oh, that. Oh right. Well, so if that was the case, then PGP wouldn't need you to upload your key, right? Because they could actually just use one of the public key rings um, to uh, to find your identity because they know your your email address, right? Um, well, I think what they want to what they want to do is for you to you put your your 
public key inside there. And so if something fishy goes on, send an email to this address and and use this key. But you're right. It, you know, they could use the public uh, uh, key ring servers that are out there. Don't know. Right. right. Um, in any case, I got, well, it got me thinking. It was interesting because if you think about, uh, so what if Facebook was actually, and there's nothing to stop them from doing this. What if Facebook, you know, uh, in a kind of a key based.io kind of style, what if Facebook enabled encryption for all of the messages between its users and between it and its users? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, you know, they'd be like turning, like I say, turning on PGP and Gmail, that, that would be a pretty big deal. Um, and it made me realize, uh, this is, uh, this is what's important about metadata, right? Is like Facebook actually doesn't care what you're talking about. They couldn't care less. Right. Um, it, you know, it's criminal. You're talking about a boy you like, like whatever it is, like they don't care. Um, what they want to see is the interactions between people. They want to, you know, they want to build social graphs, um, establish demographics so that they can target you with ads. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they are a like metadata collection organization rather than like a content creation. In fact, the content that's on Facebook is really just a, a vehicle for collecting additional metadata. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that dovetails nicely into the conversation about the Patriot Act expiration. Mm-hmm. So that was a, so Section Two Fifteen expired uh, mm-hmm. last last Sunday, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. There was an emergency, not an emergency session. There was a uh, hastily organized session on on Sunday. Uh, senators couldn't pull it together, uh, but uh, Two Fifteen is now officially expired, and there is there are currently negotiations going on trying to figure out how to uh, get that capability back um, under the USA Freedom Act. Um, mm-hmm. which is presumably more friendly to, uh, to civil liberties than uh, Patriot 215. Um, but uh, I'm already seeing like a blowback on, on my Twitters. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some folks who are, um, one of the big complaints is that, you know, there's a lot of noise being made about 215, um, but it does in fact only constitute like 2% of the collection mm-hmm. that we now know is happening. Um, and, so it's like politically significant, but like as a practical matter, like not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's interesting, you know, I think we might've talked about this before, how like power never, power is never taken away or, uh, or reduced, like power just moves to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. like a, like, it's like a third law of political thermodynamics. Yes. Um, and so this, so the proposal under the freedom act is for moving the collection powers um, and basically devolving them out to the telephone companies. So the telephone companies now will hold all of your metadata and will uh, respond to government and, and then respond to government warrants rather than the government collecting the data itself. Mm-hmm. So does that make you feel any better? I don't know. I don't know. And it's, and, and I wonder too, how much of this is, is will the telecoms have control once you start encrypting things and you like, you know, people don't do regular telephone calls. They use like Google voice, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, doesn't really go to the endpoints on the, the regular phone service. Right. Um, so I, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's right. I mean, I wonder how effective that collection actually was. I mean, it turns out that the, the two fifteen even under the original terms of two fifteen you know we did all this collection, and I think that the the one case uh where two fifteen was actually useful was in uh popping a Somalian taxi driver in California who donated x x thousand dollars to al qaeda 
um, mm. and they somehow found him through 215. But that was like, of all the stuff that's happened in the last, you know, since 2001 when the Patriot Act was passed, um, that is the only time that 215 has been kind of unambiguously useful. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. In that sense, you know, good riddance to bad rubbish. But um, again, I think it, it's it's I like hearing. I like hearing that it expired. Um, if for no other reason, then it is, you know, it is really easy to expand government powers in this area and very difficult to pull them back. Um, mm-hmm. And so even if it just means like handing over the keys to the telecom companies instead, uh, that seems like, that seems like a big deal. That seems like mm-hmm. a big deal. Yep. Anyway, speaking of uh, putting power back in the hands of the government, do you hear about uh, NorthCarolina.gov? Yeah. What, what are they doing? First of all, I want credit for that segue. That was a, that was a, that was a, this is a smooth segue. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so nc.gov, everybody go visit it right now. And if you are visiting nc.gov on your web browser, uh, you are actually interacting with OpenShift because mm-hmm. uh, the North Carolina state website is now running on our beloved platform as a service. It's pretty great. Nice. And it's yeah. pretty too. It is pretty. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Um, I'll say also, those, those state and local guys, man, they made a killing this week because uh, they got North Carolina.gov uh, uh, running mm-hmm. OpenShift, which is great. And then uh, Penn State uh, recently went on the record as a, as a big fan of uh, CloudForms and uh, OpenStack. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So um, they're using, their, they have a cybersecurity lab uh, that they're using. And, uh, and actually, unusually for us, uh, this reference um, or this like case study is... Uh, very detailed on some of the stuff that uh, that the that our tools uh, allow them to do so and they're talking about like update they were able to update 1100 machines to rel 6 in four days uh, mm. which is like a big deal um, mm. and they were able to put what a provision 260 blades um, in under 25 minutes mm-hmm. um, which is also impressive uh, anyway there's like it's full of of useful stuff like that so if you want to see uh, someone living the red hat lifestyle, uh, definitely go check out this, uh, this Penn state case study. That's great. It's in the show notes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Let's see. Oh, you know, uh, Google IO, they also announced the, uh, Google photos. Yes. Uh, decoupling themselves from Google plus. Got it long last. It was so, yeah. yeah. Um, so Dave, I don't, I, I don't know if you ran into this problem, uh, as, or if you're in running into this problem now that Lauren is, uh, as is in her teenage years, but you know, I've got a one-year-old, uh, which means mm-hmm. that I'm generating about 20 to 30 photographs a day. Yes. Um, I'm just like, I'm just a, a photo machine and, yes. uh, I am struggling mightily, uh, with how to organize all this stuff. Um, uh, especially because, you know, because I'm traveling so much and I'm you know mobile, it's not like I can, it's not like you know, 10 years ago, I would have just had like one, whatever iPhoto or something. And like, that's where I store all my photos. And now with the mobile devices and my wife and I both collecting photos, like it's become extremely difficult to, uh, to collect and organize and and share photos. Um, and there have been, you know, dozens of crappy startups trying to solve this problem for me. But, um, uh, finally this Google photos, man, I think they actually got it right. I'm actually Hmm. excited about it. Um, How how do you see it different from the old version? Well, so it's not, okay, so first of all, it's not connected to Google+, Plus, which means, like, uh, when something went into Google+, Plus, it was impossible to share with anybody else, because the only way to share was through Google+, Plus, which was just ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. so, so now it's easy to share. You're, um, you're sharing your images with the people with PGP keys on Facebook. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so 
easy to share, easy to collect because it will automatically upload photos from, you know, uh, from a folder on my, on my laptop or from, uh, from my phone or from my tablet or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. so that part's nice, right? So all the photos are now in one place and it's easy to pick out a photo and then share them with somebody else through whatever medium I, I like. Um, the, also the organization is unbelievable. Uh, when I took the photos and dropped them into Google photo, it was able to pick out photos of Soren from birth to what, 14 months and immediately identify them as the same person, mm. uh, which is creepy. And then also handy, right? Cause that's like, I need a folder of just photos of Soren. And so now I've got one. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so the face recognition is great, uh, in that sense. Um, it'll also do this cool thing where if it sees that you've taken a bunch of photos kind of in the same place at the same time, it will group them logically into one thing. So like, oh, this must've been an event that you were documenting. And so it will kind of organize it all into an event and periodically it will remind you on your, on your phone or on your uh, tablet. It'll say, Hey, I've just uh, identified an event. Would you mind, you know, naming this event? Uh, and then I will store it away in my robot brain. Uh, so you can easily, uh, recover and uh, identify it later. Um, mm-hmm. pretty cool. And then the final masterstroke is everything that goes into Google Photos. You have the option of having it appear as in the Photos folder of your Google Drive. Mm-hmm. So then nice. you can just treat it like just like a bunch of files and folders, um, mm-hmm. which uh, which I love, which I love. So yeah, I'm 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 excited about it. I uh, and uh, I'm so excited about it. I'm willing to throw my privacy concerns out the window. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm all about this thing. Well, and I I think um, as far as the the uh the hard test case you would be it as far as the 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 new proud father uh with all the baby pictures and generating the content and having a way to manage uh manage all the pictures so that that's pretty good i like for me when lauren was little it was pretty much the the digital camera you plug it into the usb port um you copy them down you use some photo manipulation app and then i would have like uh a directory that would have, and, and I would have um, uh, a directory, and then I would have uh, with all the pictures in it, and then years, and so a directory for every year. Yep. And then inside that year, I would have events, which would be, oh, this is Lauren's birthday party, this is Christmas, this is Halloween, or whatever, mm-hmm. and then have the pictures in there, and that, and so that's the way I've had it organized, and I've I've had I played with Picasa for a little bit as far as like it helped with red eye and it worked on Linux with wine and everything. But, um, but the, the problem that I had with that was it, it's like you, once you were in that lifestyle and you started tagging things and, uh, you know, flagging faces and stuff like that, you, you had to be stuck with that lifestyle mm-hmm. and it didn't synchronize too well with Picasso on the web and, yeah. and everything. So yeah. it was really janky. Um, but now with, uh, you know, Google photos, I, you know, it's like, I will do like, Oh, we were at the robotics competition. I, t- I took all those pictures and all that. And I, I do see, like you're saying, there's like a, a directory with like a year and a month in, in a Google photos directory. Once they're in there, can you move them around and rename the, the directories and stuff? Or, or is that like a bad idea? Yeah, that I haven't played with too much. Um, I, uh, yeah, that I haven't played with too much. Um, and I'm, and I'm trying not to, um, kind of pigeonhole my, my workflow, if you like, like, you know, like you, I've grown up in like a files and folders kind of Mm -hmm. mindset when it comes to photo organization. And I'm trying to like stay intellectually limber here because I have a feeling that I may have to give that up. Um, and, but as long as it's, you know, 
uh, I, I'm happy to give that up as long as it means like having all the interoperability, having the opportunity of having a local copy and being able to quickly identify my photos, then I'm, then I'm totally cool with giving up files and folders. Yeah, yeah. And, and the files and folders were just a way because the searchability was pretty hard. Yeah, that's you know, right. So it's like, yeah, I remember Lauren dressed up like, when, what was the year she dressed up as a princess for, uh, or a ballerina for mm -hmm. you know, Halloween or whatever. Right. And then you're looking in every single year and, and it would take a while to find it where if there was some sort of intelligent searching capability, that, that could be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on this uh, Google Photos thing. Uh, I think it's great. And also the way that they've done the pricing on it is interesting. So uh, they will manage a quote-unquote full resolution version of the photo that is like, I presume like a, ca a version of the photo that's good enough for the screen um, mm -hmm. that they will do unlimited for free. Um, mm -hmm. But if you want to save the original resolution of it, um, then you got to, then that counts against your disk space on Google drive. Um, yeah. That, I, that's the way it was before. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I thought, and maybe I read it wrong or maybe the article was wrong. Um, but it was like, Oh, well, if it's like a 16 megapixel image or, or like it was like insanely big pictures, mm -hmm. um, then that's where like they so it's the same general policy, mm -hmm. but they increase the, the pixels and like the video length and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. like if you're uploading like 4K video or, you know, like you're just totally right. a professional photographer and you're hammering it. Well, yeah, maybe you should pony up. But yeah, yeah. anymore, it's like like, you know, you buy a Nexus phone, you should be able to. Uh, you know, and you're living the Google lifestyle, you should be able to upload the uncompressed uh, image full resolution into the Google Photos, and um, it'd be kind of nice. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree. So anyway, so that's cool. That's, uh, that's good. Yeah. So Dave, you and I both uh, had a... So Dave, this, this week has been a bad week for meetings for us, hasn't it? Yeah, some, some are bad, some are good. Yeah, and it's, and well, actually, it's not so much the meetings themselves. The meetings were, I guess, mostly fine, but it was the uh, it was the organizing of meetings and like the uh, uh, it was the handing over uh, of control to other people of our of our time and attention, which was the yes. the painful part. Uh, kind of like getting those meetings organized and getting them scheduled and having them run properly. That was the that was the trick, right? Yes. Yeah, like like somebody just oh, I saw you were available, so I scheduled something, right. and and it's and it's like. I, I think people tend to confuse you not being scheduled with uh, you not doing anything and welcome the interruption during that time period. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Confusing your free time with time that you would like to spend with them. Right? Yes. Which are two different things. And it's also not free time. It's just unscheduled. Yeah. You know, it's not formally scheduled work. Yeah. 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 Great point. Great point. Yeah. Yeah, so I did see an article uh, that that talked about this that I thought was good, and you know I'm always looking to improve, you know, uh, myself and and how I operate to be more efficient. And um, the the article was entitled "How to Get Out of of an Unnecessary Meeting." I'm listening. Yep. Yeah. So the article says that there are uh, two types of meetings. Uh, those that, uh, two types of unnecessary meetings. Those meetings that don't need to be held. And those meetings that need to be held that you don't need to be participating at. Ah, that's a nice that distinction. Makes... That's a useful distinction. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it could be worthwhile, but you have to be there. Like, there's a lot of times that you'll see people inviting like 20 people to a meeting, and it's like, is that really necessary? Um, so um, that's that's one of the things. So um, 
And so it goes through the article saying, well, let's, for the purpose of the article, assume that you just get this invitation um, and, and uh, a brand new meeting invitation. And, um, and you're not sure whether you should accept it or decline it or you, it's not, you know, there's no um, uh, clear understanding of of uh, you know, there's no sub like the subject may be vague, and there's nothing in the body, so like you don't know why you're doing it or what you're signing up for and everything. So that ends up being a problem. And so um, you know, your natural the, the article says that your natural inclination is to just all right, well I'm free, so I'll accept the call and I'll let's, let's find out what this is all about, and then you'll find out there. Um, and what they recommend is well, you could go that way. Um, or you could just be uh, a tough, uh, you know, uh, really tough about it, and just say uh, reject. Um, and and um, or there's, but but the problem there is that if you reject it, it may come off as you being insubordinate or not a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then they're saying that well, there's there's actually don't forget there's a middle option which is tentative. Um, and so you know you could call an audible at the last second as to whether you should go or not, <laughs> or if somebody is like. Oh well, you said tentative, and that for, that puts the onus on them to give you a reason why you should attend um, and try to sell you on the reason why you should participate. And like if that. they're not, yeah, and if they're not doing it, well, maybe you shouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that very much. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing that they were talking about is, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for details. There, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, you know, the other part too is you know, determining whether the meeting is necessary or not, or whether you need to be in the meeting. So, um, you know, you need to be tactful about, oh, I think this is stupid and nobody should go to this or whatever. You know, you, you got to be smart about it. Um, but sometimes it's just a matter of like negotiating of like, well, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, I got to work on something else. So why don't you send me an email summary of the meeting? Um, which is interesting because that, forces them to actually take meeting minutes and communicate them, which often doesn't happen during meetings too. Right. Right. Yes. That's very true. That's very true. Those are good. I like those. Those are some good tips. Yeah. And then the other thing that, uh, you know, it's like sometimes you get invited to a meeting and it's like, Oh boy, I get to go to a meeting. I'm excited. And you know, you (laughs) glad you thought of me. Um, but you know, again, you need to think of your time and it's, it's like if what they're saying is if you don't have anything to contribute, or you can't help with the work, um, or you don't have any uh, need for new information, uh, you don't need to go to the meeting. So it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But I I actually did, um, uh, you know, I I was talking to somebody uh, in in our leadership uh, this week, uh, or last week, about this topic of, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like I'm sure you have a lot of people uh, you know, pulling for your attention. So how, how do you manage when, you know, somebody just sends you an invitation or, um, you know, and it's not clear or whatever. And he's like, Oh, I just decline it. And, and just, <laughs> which is like pretty awesome. It's and, and I, good to be I, the yeah. king. <laughs> and, uh, but I, uh, yeah, but I, and uh, something like that happened today. And I, I did that. I was just like, it, it was like, you know, it wasn't a, a very well, uh, put together a sort of thing. So it's like, fine, I'll just decline it because it seemed like that person put as much thought, uh, into creating that meeting, um, 
than, you know, like I didn't want to put more thought into my uh, declining of that meeting than that person put into re- uh, scheduling that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put in, it's like, eh, decline it. And so it proved to me that, um, you know, that, that this is worthwhile for me to show. Oh, that's great. No, that's good. Yeah. Cause you got, I mean, you got to, uh, was it current? I forget the, who the, the business guru is or the, the productivity guru is that says this, but like the, you know, your one finite resource in the world is time and attention. Um, mm-hmm. and so the, the more tools you have for uh, defending that time and attention, uh, the better off you're going to be. Yep. I like that. I like that. Great. Well, that's all I got, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So if people need to, uh, uh, learn more about, uh, Penn state, or if they want to look at cockroaches launching, uh, 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 birds, uh, robotic birds, uh, where, where do they need to go? Oh, they should go to, uh, the DG show website. So it's, uh, D as in Dave, uh, G as in Gunner show.org. Yep. Totally. Yep. All right. Well, good. Well, well, thanks a lot, Gunner. And thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks everyone.